have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn to our gospel reading this morning, Mark chapter 4, verses 26 through 34 is where we're going to land. I want to welcome you also to part three in this series of Mark's gospel entitled, Immediately, The Urgency of Jesus. If you remember, trip two weeks ago spoke to us about the immediacy of the message about the gospel of Christ the immediacy of the lordship of Jesus and the immediacy of our reception of the message of God through Christ. And last week, Tyler broke open to us this this message concerning the identity of the community of God. In his words, there is an inside and an outside to the people of God. So our focus today is the growth of the kingdom of God through the teaching of two parables by Jesus. So two things that we see right away that come off the pages of this context, namely the kingdom of God and Christ teaching in parables. So what do we make of the kingdom of God? That is the question. I think it is this. The kingdom of God is the blessing of the rule and reign of God. The kingdom of God is the blessing of the rule and reign of God. In other words, when we pray, right, your kingdom come, your will be done on what? On earth as it is in heaven. What we are saying is, Lord, let the earth bear more of the marks of the blessing of life under your rule. And when Jesus began his ministry in this gospel, he said, right, the kingdom of God is what? It's near. Indeed, it was near. Because what we have seen and what we will see in this gospel is that when Jesus draws near, Things in life and the universe change forever, right? When Jesus draws near to you, you become a changed person. All it takes is a touch of his cloak. And so we ask him to draw near this morning. And then we also see that he teaches in parables. Just a a tidbit, a footnote, um, compared to the other Gospels, Mark does not contain much teaching in and through parables. Luke has 25, Matthew has 20, Mark only has seven. And amazingly, you're going to get two of those seven here this morning up close and personal. And so here it is, God aims to teach us this morning that his kingdom will grow through the power of the Holy Spirit, and it will grow out of obscurity, and it will culminate in glory. Let me say that again, because this is what I want you to get this morning. This is the message that God has given us. God's kingdom will grow by the power of the Holy Spirit, and it will grow out of obscurity, but it's going to culminate in glory. One other piece that I would add to it. Here it is. This will be inevitable. 
Which is why I've entitled my message, The Inevitability of the Kingdom of God. In other words, you will not stop this process. Thank you. You will not stop it. And, and you can thank God because I can't stop it. So you won't stop it and I won't stop it. Our, our sins may, may hinder it, but the Holy Spirit will see to it that it keeps growing. No court ruling will stop it. <laughs> it needs to be said this morning. That should be encouraging. We may be dismayed, we may be discouraged, we may be angry, but God will lovingly see us through and keep building His kingdom one day at a time, one heart at a time, one soul at a time. Satan will not stop it. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Mark it down. God's kingdom will grow through the power of the Holy Spirit. It will grow out of obscurity and it will culminate in glory. So two ways, and I've said it now four times, I think, that God will build his kingdom. Here's the first, the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the first way. And that's what we see here. Notice the first parable in verses 26 through 29. We see that God will grow his kingdom through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I love these parables because what they do is they hearken me back to the days when I was a wee little boy in Illinois growing up in a small rural farm community. Because you see what here in all this language, right? These, these organic types of language. Scattering seed. Sprouting seedlings. Blades. Ears. Full grain in the ear, right? Ripe. Harvest. This is all lovely language of a, of a farmer. And the people that he is speaking to would have gotten it because they're all Galileans. Right? And they would have picked up on all this language. And we see in verse 26 who it is that is scattering the seed on the ground. And the answer is right, man or the farmer. Or whoever it is that is spreading what Jesus said in chapter 1, verse 15 of this very gospel, right? And what did he say in chapter 1, verse 15? Quote, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. So there's the kingdom language. The kingdom of God is at hand. And what's the message that we're spreading? Repent. And believe in the what? Can you? The gospel. Repent and believe in the gospel. Verse 27. It's key. Because after the farmer sows that message, spreads that seed, he sleeps and he rises night and day. And what happens? The seed sprouts. And the seed grows. And then notice the language that Jesus chooses. He knows not what? He knows not how. 
Jesus' point is not that the farmer does nothing. So don't, don't read into that. Like, okay, the farmer doesn't evidently do anything. He's just kind of useless. No, no, he's very useful in the kingdom work. But the point that Jesus is making is that the farmer has no power over the seed being germinated and growing. The earth and the soil germinate the seed. First the blade, then the ear, right? And the process goes on and on until harvest, until judgment. And so it is with the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus is saying. And so it is with the kingdom of God, right? We scatter seed. You will scatter seed. And we strive to be the hands and feet of Christ. And we preach faithfully the words of God that flow out of these pulpits here at St. Paul's. And we stand firm on the gospel of Christ. So that, what? So that what? Why do we do these things here at St. Paul's? So that God will quicken the hearts of souls that need to hear this message and be saved forever. Paul puts it best in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6 and 7. I, 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 as a preacher of the gospel, love these verses, and I'll explain why. So he says, I planted the seed. Paul, I planted the seed. Apollos watered it, but... God made it what? Grow. God made it grow. See, the church in Corinth was doing this, we love Apollos. And there were some that were, we love Paul. And Paul's saying, listen, don't put your stock in preachers. <laughs> right? Don't think too highly of trip. Or Tyler. And Tyler's here and he would say amen to that, right? Don't put too much stock in me as preachers of the gospel. We have a duty, we spread the seed, but God does the rest. In fact, that's exactly what Paul goes on to say, right? Verse 7, so neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything. We're nothing. We're a drop in the bucket. But only God. But only God who makes things grow. God's kingdom will grow through the power of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, God's kingdom will also grow out of obscurity, but will culminate in glory. So that is what we see in the second parable, right? It's focused on a particular seed. And that seed is a mustard seed. I don't know if you've ever seen a mustard seed, but very, very small. Jesus is just making a point, right? The point, the idea of this parable is small, obscure, right? Yet, when it grows, it becomes very large. So that someone might say, how can something that tiny produce something that large? 
what Jesus is doing. That's, that's the point that he's making. That's the idea. And he's taking this as a teaching moment because he was anticipating the misconceptions that people would have about the kind of redemption and the type of kingdom he was bringing upon them. So what is the kingdom of God like, right? That's the question that's posed right here in this context. Well, we could say it's glorious. We could maybe say it's full of wonder, pomp, power. The people in Jesus' day would have said, military coup, here we go. Rome out, God's people in. Right? And Jesus says, wrong. It's more like a mustard seed. Right? It's more like a mustard seed. It's very mundane. It seems insignificant. It's small and looks like just a bunch of ragtag fishermen from Galilee. And the point that Jesus is making is the mystery of the kingdom will someday be huge and mighty. And it will bring in the fullness of all generations and all people groups on the earth. But at first, right here, it comes without the cataclysmic transformation most ever expected. And that's the point that he's trying to make. And so let's apply this now to our lives. Here's some application. First, because I want to send you out the door with something this morning. I want to give you two warnings and then some encouragement. We need encouragement this morning, right? Amen? Are you with me? So first, a couple warnings. Beware, and this is where Tyler was last week. Beware of assuming that all who are swept in to the power of God's kingdom are the children of the kingdom. Beware of that. The power of the kingdom gathers many into its nets that will be cast out in the end. Because, as we will see in this gospel, they loved healing and not holiness. They loved power, Judas Iscariot, and not purity. They loved wonders and not the will of God. On the day of judgment, what Jesus says, many will come and say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Didn't we, did, Lord, we did mighty works in your name. And Jesus will declare to them what? I never knew you. Depart from me. That's the first warning. Here's the second warning. And it's this. The inevitability of the kingdom of God being built does not mean you do nothing as a follower of Christ. Right? Because you can hear this message and you could just kind of say, 
this sounds great. I mean, I can just kind of sit on my hands and I can do nothing because God's going to do everything. And that would be wrong. Because this passage should be a spiritual blow to apathy. Right? Apathy. Know the definition of apathy? Someone was asked on the street, do you know what apathy means? And they replied, I don't know. I don't care. (laughs) That's apathy, right? It's a blow. It's a spiritual apathy that I can just do nothing. I'm I'm on the team of Christ, but I can just kind of sit on the sidelines and just not do a whole lot. Thank you very much. But, you know, I want heaven and I don't want hell. What you're saying is you want fire insurance and you don't want Jesus. So this passage is a billboard by Christ announcing that he will defeat the enemy of Satan and he will unleash a spirit-led army in every generation to be healing agents for the world. We remember that this kingdom-building movement didn't begin in a king's palace. It's not where it began. It began in a stable, in a trough. And it boomeranged into the world with very, very ordinary men. You need to know that this morning. And you might think from week to week that what we do here at St. Paul's is just kind of, it, it just seems mundane, right? It just seems kind of insubstantial. And, I mean, we just come here week to week and, and we do this and we may think that not a lot is happening. And that is a very wrong assumption. That's why I pray for this thought that you, that every Sunday doesn't count. Every Sunday counts as you enter these doors. May it be a Sunday that you are changed and every Sunday after. Here's some encouragement. Finally, some encouragement. The kingdom, brothers and sisters, really has arrived. Unprecedented fulfillments of God's purposes are in this offering this morning. The king has come, the king has dealt with sin once and for all and the sacrifice of himself. The king sits at the father's right hand and he reigns now until all his enemies are under his feet. The king's righteousness is now and already ours by faith. The king's spirit is now already indwelling in us. The king's holiness is now already being produced in us. The king's joy and peace have now already been given to us. The king's victory over Satan is now already ours as we use the sword of the spirit, the words of God. The king's power is a witness to now already to preach to those that don't know it. And the king's gifts and the gifts of his spirit are now already available to us in ministry. And now with a sober awareness of the mystery of the kingdom, present yet future, 
fulfilled, but not yet consummated, let us go on as a church to seek first the kingdom of God. To discover all we yet should be for the salvation of lost sinners and the glory of King Jesus. Pray with me.